Please stand with me in honor of the word of God, if you're able, as I read Psalm 62. To the choir master, according to Jedithan, a psalm of David. For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him, like a leaning wall, a tottering fence? They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood, too. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. Salah. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock in my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Salah. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances they go up. They are together lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. Once God has spoken, twice I have heard this, that power belongs to God, and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love. For you will render to a man according to his work. The word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Keely. You may be seated. We're reading the Bible together as a church this year. We've uh, been in the time of the exile and after, so we're reading it kind of more chronologically. So we just finished um, Zechariah and Malachi, and we're ending with First and Second Chronicles, or the book of Chronicles. And today's reading was uh, 10 chapters of genealogy, covering from Adam to after the time of the exile. I didn't think we were going to make it through it this morning, but I said, wow, he's going for it, 10 chapters. And uh, not the most exciting reading, uh, but it's actually exciting because it gives you the whole history of the Old Testament right there in those first 10 chapters, and then he's going to break it down after that because it's all the people from Adam uh, to Abraham in that beginning and then all the way through uh, the, the tribes of Israel and all the people returning after the exile. And that's what Zechariah and Malachi were also. But as we're reading this, we're reading a psalm too a day, or if it's Psalm 119, a portion of it, but mostly a psalm a day. And what we do in reading the Word of God, which we all need to be doing, is we need to be incorporating prayer into our lives. So what the reading of the psalm does, it enacts prayer into our lives. So we read the Word, then afterwards we pray. In our men's Bible study on Tuesday mornings, we were talking about how that psalm, how many times it goes with what we're reading. And, and it just feels like you can just go right into a time of, of prayer so rather than uh, teaching from Zechariah or Malachi or on the genealogy this week, I am 
going to teach from one of the psalms just to remind us that we're reading these psalms. The psalm personally affected my life this week and really ministered to me, Psalm 62. And specifically, uh, verse 8 is where I got my title from for this psalm, which is pour out your heart before him. And sometimes you just got to allow God to let you get real with him. And the Psalms really help you do that because David gets real in the Psalms with all the issues that uh, he's facing. So we see this Psalm is written in the heat of battle while the pressure is intense. We see that in verse 3, how long will all of you attack a man to batter him like a leaning wall, a tottering fence? We see him thrust down. So we see this is happening in the current uh, life of David. He's in the midst of a hard, a hard time, a difficult time. We know in his life he, he fled, uh, you know, after being anointed king, he fled from the anointed king Saul uh, for years, hidden caves, and people said all kinds of things about him. Oh, where is his hope in God? You know, he's nothing but just a hideout with a band of rebels in caves. And they attacked him that way. They said things to him. And even people that blessed with their mouths, uh, inwardly they were cursing. So we can kind of relate to David, but we can relate to him on many levels. So we will see that, yes, this psalm is written in the heat of battle today. We might be in a battle. We might be in a time of great rejoicing. But even if we are, uh, we need to be prepared for battle all the time. That was a part of our whole order of service today uh, about that we have a foe uh, that is against us. But David has learned in verse 1 to wait on the Lord, to wait in silence, to wholly, truly rest in God, that God has it in his hands. So he's learned that. He's saying that. He's describing it, that his soul waits in silence. And then in verse 5, he's saying it again, but this time he's changing it from uh, just a descriptive thing that he does to a, an imperative thing that he does. He commands his soul, Oh, my soul, wait in silence. And as he does this and goes through this process, and we'll look at those things. Then he comes to verse 8. That's where I titled this. Then he begins to say, O people. So there's a work that God's done in him. And now he's saying, verse 8, Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. So we'll look at that. Uh, trusting in God and pouring out our heart in prayer to him, which David has done as an example and any good preacher or any good teacher must do this themselves. They must let the Word of God work in their own life or it's just nothing but empty, hollow words. Like if the sermon isn't preached to me, uh, taught to me, working in my own life, getting into my own head and the meditation of my mind and heart, then my words up here this morning are for naught. God must plant and work and do these things in the preacher or teacher or, in this case, the psalmist. And then he pours out, and he can get to this point and say, 
Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. So that immediacy of this prayer seems to still linger and await an answer, but these convictions, whether the answer came, which it did eventually come for David, we know was many years in the working, many years in the working. So this prayer uh, awaiting God to deliver, to be his salvation, to be his rock, waiting for God to be that salvation, that deliverance, was a, a, a period where he lived out these convictions and they were formed and formed him and they grew in him and they deepened in him. So today, let the Word of God grow in you and let it deepen your convictions and let it deepen uh, what God's doing in your life to trust in him more and more. Amen? So here we go into Psalm 62, 1 through 2. For God alone... My soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. We see for God alone, for God only. We see he alone a lot through this whole uh, psalm. There is no other. David didn't turn into no other. There's no one else that can help him. There's no one else he can turn to. He knows his hope is in God alone. And we see that repeated over and over again. One of the versions says, Truly my soul finds rest in God. Finding rest in God. That silence, I love that. God alone, my soul waits in silence. I the kids got to spend a little time at uh, Teresa's mom's house down in Roswell, and they were going to spend, you know, a couple more days, but she got sick and tired and called early in the morning, and I, got, you know, went down there real early, and as I was driving, there was hardly any cars, and I was, took the big truck and just wasted some diesel. You know what I mean? Just, my big old tires, just, you know, and just didn't listen to anything. No sermon that I'm always listening to. No music that I have on. No nothing. Just, you know, but just looked at everything. And I got down to about Riverside, to about 45 miles, and realized, wow, you're just kind of in a type of silence. Like, your soul, your whole mind isn't really, it's just like in quiet. And it kind of took that long before God could finally just kind of say, why don't you do this? I was studying deeply in Zechariah and just heavily working on a sermon in that. And he goes, why don't you just preach on Psalm 62? Why don't you just actually do this yourself? Why don't you just actually pour out your heart before me and get real with all these things you've been talking about with your wife and others? Why don't you just actually tell me and get honest with me? And I said, well, you already know. He goes, yeah, I do know. I know before you ask, why don't you ask? It's like, why don't you pray? He already knows, but he wants you to pray. Isn't that strange, Matthew, Jesus says? He already knows what you need. He already knows everything. Why don't you ask? And you know, my question is, well, why do I need to ask? You already know. Because he, he wants you to get to that place where you got nothing else but him alone. And you're quiet. And your soul is still. It's hard to get to that place in this world a lot of times. And it was a blessing just to be with God 
in that silent place where I could hear him afresh and anew. And that's what David's doing here. My, for God alone, my soul waits in silence. We need that sometimes. Where we run out of words. And the issue rests with him alone. Sometimes, I don't know who said this, or it's a blend of someone who said this and part of it, but it may sometimes be the height of worship to fall silent before God in awe at his presence and in submission to his will. And for David, it was happening in the time of just people mocking him. You don't got any hope, give up, quit it. Who do you think you are, anointed king hiding out in caves? Who do you think you are, child of God, walking in this world, distraught, beat down, cast down, going through hardships and trials and tribulations? Who do you think you are? A child of the king, give me a break. We have to overcome things too, don't we? And David does because he's turning to God who is a rock in his life, who when everything else is being shaken, he is attached and standing upon and rooted in something that doesn't move when everything else shakes. A rock, his salvation. David says in Psalm 16, 8, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. And we think, oh, this is great. Man, this is good. Way to go, David. You know, great. But did David do it? Because he said, the Lord was always before me, Psalm 16. I don't know. Was he, you know, David did it some, but always? I would say no. The Bible lists David's failures. So who was the Scripture talking about here in Psalm 16? Well, Peter preaches a sermon from Psalm 16, a great opening sermon after the Holy Spirit came. And Acts 2, he gets up and preaches this great sermon, and he quotes from this psalm. And in Psalm 16, he says, David says this, but he says, David said this concerning him. Wow, who is him? I thought David was talking about him. I thought David was saying he didn't get moved, that he always saw the Lord before him. I thought that was David in Psalm 16. Peter, and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the apostle called by God, taking Psalm 16 and preaching Jesus from it, says this, David says this concerning him, that I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. And he goes on and continues to read Psalm 16, and he says, Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope. Way to go, David. But Peter is saying it wasn't David. And he goes on to say in Acts 2.27, For you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence at your right hand. Their joys forevermore. Way to go, David. But Peter goes Brothers, in verse 29, I may say with confidence to you that the patriarch David, that he both died and was buried in his tomb, is with us today. His body is in a grave, and it definitely saw corruption. So who is this Psalm 16 about? And he said David was a prophet. 
knowing that God had sworn with an oath that in him he would, one of his descendants would sit on his throne. He foresaw. Look at what David's talking about in Psalms. He foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ that he would not abandon to Hades. Who did he not abandon to hell? It was Jesus. Who did he not abandon to corruption for his body to see corruption? It was Jesus. That's what Peter says in verse 32. This Jesus God raised up. And that's what we're all witnesses of. We're witnesses of the Psalm 16 the one that did not see corruption, the one that overcame, the one that was never shaken, the one that was never moved. Jesus, who was one with the Father. (laughs) In the midst of everything, in the midst of all the schemes of the devil, in the midst of Peter saying, you know, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he says, yes, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And then in the very next sentence saying, May it never be, Lord Jesus, that you go and suffer this way. And, and Jesus has to turn to Peter and say, get behind me, Satan. Not, not Peter, but the Satan behind it. It's like what we, fret, we wrestle against, we read against. You know, flesh and blood, not just flesh and blood, but the Satan behind the words. The Satan even behind speaking through Peter those words. Close friends, family, things that come and, 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 ha- and can have a root in our heart to, to bring us down. It's hard seeing people turn away from the Lord or family turn away or kids or, you know, all the things we're doing around, we pray so hard for them. But many times we just see them taking a path away from God. We are encouraged through the scriptures today and encouraged in hope to trust in God alone for our salvation. And no matter what the battle is, the battle belongs to the Lord, and it is His. So this Psalm 62, uh, 3 and 4, shows that heat of the battle. And when, when David asks, how long? He's not saying, actually, how long? He's just saying, it's gone on too long. That's what, when your heart's crying out, How long? Will all of you attack a man to batter him? How long will I hear these tauntings? Where is your God? How long will I hear these false things? How long? It just feels like forever, doesn't it? Because it's our, it's our life. We're in a, in a battle. And if you're not in a battle, you're not a Christian. You know, Christians are embattled in this world. They're the the fish going against the flow, swimming up river. And if that's your life, you're a believer. And you're fighting the good fight of faith that Paul talked about that he fought until the end. I fought the what? The good fight of faith. I kept trusting in the Lord with my last breath. Those are the, the men we want to look to and the believers, men and women that we want to look to that endured to the end. And we're encouraged by them. And we're encouraged in the Scripture to fight that good fight of faith. How long? How long will people use lies and injustice? How long will we see those things around us in this world? It's gone on too long. Too long already. It's a cry of the heart saying, please God, help me. 
This is a, this is a song that David gave uh, to the choir master to sing. It listed his name, and his name is uh, listed in the Chronicles, as we'll begin reading here, it listed with Asaph and some others that were choir leaders, music song leaders, and uh, this one, Jeduthun, was listed over uh, some other of the Psalms too, given to write and sing and maybe the, add the music to the song and, and get the singers and the people. And David wrote it, gave it to him, and said, let's do this one, Jeduthun. <laughs> let's do it. And his Psalms that he gives him seem to have a, this theme running through them. There's a lot of similarities to him. Must have thought his heart would be in this. But the attack that comes to shake us from our faith and trust of God turns us to where we can only have one recourse, and it's in God alone, to not be shaken, but to turn and trust in the Lord's great salvation and his deliverance from our enemy's attacks. A lot of our songs and worship that we sing against is uh, even a mighty fortress is our God and others are about that we're up against an enemy that we cannot defeat on our own. We must gain heavenly power from Jesus who is at the right hand of God to defeat our fo- foe for us and from his lies, from his injustice, from his stealing. We must seek the Lord for victory is found in him alone. And as we move in this next portion of Psalm 62, it sounds like David is repeating this. Psalm 62, 5 through 7, For God alone, O my soul, but instead of saying waits in silence, he's now turning that descriptive that my soul waits. He's, he's showing, hey, look, this is what my soul is doing. It's waiting in God. Now he's actually turning to his soul and commanding his soul. He's making it an imperative. He says, for God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. He's telling telling his soul what to do. Here's what you will do. You will rest in God. You will wait in silence before him. For my hope is from him. This is different. There's some nuances here. Tim Keller preaches a sermon on Psalm 42. Uh, especially where he gets into uh, verse 5 where he says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? You hear that? David talking to his soul. He's talking to his soul. Why are you soul? He's looking in his soul. He's wiped out. He's tired. He's discouraged. He's discomforted. He has just said in, in 42 verse 3, My tears have been my food day and night. While people say to me all day long, Where is your God? Tears day and night. And then he's turning to his soul and he's saying, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? He's turning and he's talking to himself. It's good to talk to yourself. You don't have to get old to talk to yourself. Talk to yourself when you're young and hiding out in a cave and doing the most intense battle that you've ever faced in your life. Turn and talk to yourself and command your soul. Tim Keller uh, titled that uh, sermon, Don't Listen to Yourself, But Talk to Yourself. Isn't that good? (laughs) Don't listen to yourself. Talk to yourself. Speak the scriptures to yourself. Tell yourself and tell your soul what you will do in the midst of distress and turmoil when everything in you is crying out to just turn, you know, 
to something that will ease the pain, whatever that is. may not be something horrible like drugs and, you know, abuse of alcohol and pornography and all these other things. It might just be turned to anything but God alone. It doesn't matter what it is. It's just turn and seek refuge, seek trust in anything but God. That's all, that's all the scheme of the devil wants. Anything but wholehearted devotion. In the midst of all these people saying these things, these lies and injustices and, and all these things happening in my life and whatever trial and tribulation is in your heart bringing discouragement from the accuser of the brethren and the schemes of the devil, you have to speak to your soul. and You have to say, soul, soul, I'm talking to you. I'm not listening to all these things coming against me in my head. I'm talking to you now, soul. You wait in God. And you trust in God. And he gets to this point, pour, pour out. And then he comes to see, David's done that. Or it's not real when he gets to verse 8. He's waited in silence and he's commanded his soul, you soul, you will wait in silence. And he gets to verse 8 and he says, now, oh, people. Turns to the people and he says, you, you can do this. Trust in him always. Trust him in him, the heat of that moment in the battle. Overcome. In him, the great one who will never be shaken and never be moved. Trust in him. Pour out your heart. Get honest. Tell him exactly what's going on. The thing that you talk about, the thing that you talk about to your husband, your wife, and your best friend. Stop talking about it and get with him. I'm not saying it's not okay to talk about it with folks, but I'm saying there comes a time where you have to pour out your heart and get honest to God. And I mean, it changes things because it's prayer and prayer is getting honest with God and telling him this is what I'm going through and this is how much it hurts and this is how much the taunting of the evil one to quit and give up or just this ain't ever going to change just I have to give this to you this is the Psalms it expresses our emotions it expresses these things and then it roots us in the rock who is Jesus in that Psalm 42 where David's questioning, why my soul, are you so downcast? He concludes it again, repeats it. He says, deep calls to deep. The roar of your waterfalls, all your breakers and your waves have gone over me. You ever feel like that? I don't know, I could really relate to that. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love. And by night, his song is within me. A prayer to the God of my life comes and helps me. A song comes to me and delivers me and helps me overcome. A psalm in the night, that peace. I don't know how people don't get by without it. I don't know. Maybe they're not in the heat of the battle like we are as believers. But for believers, man, this is it. I got to have this. I got to have a song that comes to me in the night. Or, you know, I don't know what side of the bed I'll wake up on in the morning. But David is expressing this, and he's asking his soul, why are you so cast down? Why are you so depressed? Why are you in so much turmoil? Look, look. He's commanded his steadfast love towards me. His, he's given me his song in the night, a prayer, a prayer to the God of my life. And I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? See that realness? Where, where are you, God? You're like, you know, that's, that's not okay to say. No. No, if that's gut core real where it feels, that's where David gets. 
He gets honest. Doesn't plaster it over like a white washed tomb of dead men's bones that Jesus called the Pharisees. Whitewashed sepulchers full of dead men's bones. It's like inside you have to get honest in that prayer, the prayer to God of your life. And you have to say, God, what's, am I going to be in this cave forever? You anointed me. You know, you, remember when you brought Samuel and he poured all that oil over my head all those years ago? I've been running in caves, you know, for years. Have you forgotten me? Forgotten? Why do I go on mourning? Because of the oppression of the enemy. As with a deadly wound in my bones. That's what it does sometimes. Those wounds, those words, they're deadly wounds into our bone. They're shot in deep and they hurt. Well, they say to me all the day long, where is your God? David again says, why are you cast down on my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. He turns with that hope and he says, I got no one else, God. You're alone on my rock. You alone are my salvation. I heard a loud voice in Revelation 12, 10. Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of God and the authority of his Messiah for the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before God day and night has been hurled down. Don't you look for that day? You look for the accuser of the brother to be hurled down, the accuser of the brethren, the one that's always coming with the taunts, either himself, directly, demons, fallen angels, people, voices, they might not know it, harsh words spoken. We lift the shield of faith, and we continue uh, to resist the enemy. And we look forward to the day in hope when the accuser of our brothers and sisters who, who accuses before, about them before God day and night, Revelations 12.10 says, is hurled down. We need Jesus right now because he ain't hurled down yet. He's left him Roman, the earth, Roman, like a hungry lion roaring, seeking whom he may devour, Peter says. And we need Jesus. We need to fight the battle of sin. And when we lose, 1 John 2.1 says this, My dear children, I write this to you that you will not sin. That's always the hope of God in Jesus and in grace and in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that we will walk that way. But John goes on to say, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate. Are you glad you got an advocate? Are you glad you have an advocate? Oh, yeah. Who is this advocate? John, who is he? An advocate with the Father that will bring us to the Father, that will stand up before us to the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Verse 2 says he's the atoning sacrifice for our sins, not only for our sins, but the sins of the whole world. That's some power in his blood. He is the atoning sacrifice. Ever meditate on the atoning sacrifice and that Jesus is your advocate, that he paid a price for you, and now he can stand as your advocate before God? 
I love that Jesus is an intercessor. I love that he intercedes for me. Hebrews says he's that high priestly figure who intercedes for us. It says he's always, he, he lives to always make intercession for us. So I'm glad he's the intercessor. I'm glad he's the intercessor, but he is that advocate for when we sin, he can come and not just mediate between us, that intercessor's in between. But the advocate, what he does is he actually like, instead of being in between, he actually steps over on your, your side. You know what this word is? Paraclete, advocate. He steps over on your side and he says, this one's mine. He advocates for you. He comes along your side. He's the great paraclete, the one who advocates for you, gets over, puts his arm around you and said, this, is, this one's mine. Yeah, I hear you. I hear your accusations. But you know what? I'm the righteous one. I'm the one that was never moved. I'm the one that was never shaken. I'm the one that never fell into sin. And this one is covered by me. So get back. And we need the advocate. And the, most of the time that word is used for advocate is the, the Holy Spirit. The five other times it's used. And the Holy Spirit makes Christ real to us. He he magnifies that Jesus is advocating for you. Don't, don't get beaten down in sin. Speak to your soul. and Command your soul. I have an advocate. You want to see him? He's my big brother. He's a pretty big, bad, tough dude. <laughs> he, will, he will wipe you out, enemy, and he'll wipe out every one of your false accusations. He'll crush you with the breath of his mouth. If he just goes, like that, you'll blow away like dandelion seeds with that little breath of Jesus, my advocate, will blow and crush down every false word you've said about me. He's my paraclete. And I will speak to my soul, and I'll pour out my heart before God, and I will tell him honestly what's going on in my life, and he will be my advocate. So, oh, peoples, can you hear? Hear from David's heart. Can you hear from the heart of Jesus, your advocate? your intercessor, but your advocate. To trust in him at all, at all times. Trust in him. Don't turn to any other. Trust in him at all times. Jesus will do it for you. <laughs> and when you fail, go to him and say, my desire is to trust in you at all times. Forgive me. And you have Jesus Christ, the righteous one, to do that and to lift you up. And then we will sit in silence before God and we have no other words to say. We will sit and rest and truly rest in God. Truly our soul will find rest in God. And our soul can just rest in silence. Ever have that? Resting in silence. Father, he is our father. He is father-like. He tends and spares us. Well and feeble, our frame he knows. In his hand he gently bears us, rescues us from all our foes. Beautiful. In an old 1837 hymn by H.F. Lyle, one of his more famous ones in closing, I need thy presence every passing hour. Wait, but thy grace can foil the tempter's power, who, like thyself, my guide and stay can be. Through cloud and sunshine, 
Lord, abide with me. Amen. We're going to take communion together. If you want to grab one of these, we're just going to close in, in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And just remember Jesus. That's what we've done today. We've just remembered who he is and what he's done for us. We remember Jesus. Amen? Isn't it powerful? It's good to be reminded of who Jesus is and to be reminded how deep his love is for us and to grow in that conviction about who Jesus is in our life and the depth of his love for us. In the night that Jesus was betrayed, that's pretty brutal to be betrayed by someone who ate at your table and who you trained for somewhere around three years, leaving to go to betray you. That's how much confidence he had in God's plan. He just turned and took bread and he gave thanks to God for it. Nothing will thwart your plan, God. Nothing will thwart your purposes for your people. And we thank you for that. He took bread and gave thanks to it. And he said, this is my body. Take and eat of it. And when you do, do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake of the bread together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for the gift of your Son, Jesus, for his body. Born of the Virgin Mary, truly a man, 100% man, all man, and yet all God. What a mystery. You desired a body, Lord, who would live out as a man here on this earth, walking this physical earth, completely, perfectly pleasing you for the purpose of giving up your own son, not sparing your own son out of your love for us that you could freely give us all things, truly bless your people. Wow. What a love. What a grace. What a gift. And your son and in his body, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. And in like manner, he took the cup He said, this is the blood of the new covenant given for you for the remission of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take this and remember the shed blood of Jesus for the remission of our sins. Thank you for the power of the blood. Thank you, God, that You alone are our rock and our salvation and that Jesus alone is the way and the truth and the life and that we don't have an intercessor and an advocate without Jesus for he alone is our intercessor and advocate. He is our only way, truth, and life to you, Father. And we praise you and thank you for the gift of your son, his body, and his shed blood for us. Let us worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.